This is going to be a little bit difficult. I was questioning my sanity earlier this week when I realized the choir was going to be singing today and I had decided I would do a talk on silence. Um, I was kind of questioning that a little bit. But what occurred to me is that really all of our spiritual work is done in the silence. That, that really there isn't anything on our spiritual journey, typically, that we do when we're talking, that we do when we're busily engaged in the stuff of the world, that really all of the good part of our spiritual journey happens in silence. And of course, this time of year with the, the days being short, with us getting closer to winter, it seems like that natural time to do that inner journey anyway. So today, yes, believe it or not, we're going to do silence. Um, and of course, I managed to find a joke about silence, so we'll, we'll start there. That'll, that'll help keep our energy high. We won't nap through the silence, at least. John, a devout Catholic monk, joined an order that cherished its silence. The abbot greeted him with these words, Brother, this is a silent monastery. You're welcome here for all of your life, as long as you care to be here, but you may not speak unless directed to. Well, Brother John lived in the monastery for five years, and on the day of his anniversary, the abbot said to him, Brother John, you've been here for five years. You may speak two words. Brother John said, Hard bed. <laughs> well, I'm... I'm sorry to hear that, the abbot said. We'll get you a better bed. Well, another five years passes. The abbot once again calls Brother John. You may say two more words. Cold food, said Brother John. And the abbot assured him that the food would be better in the future. Well, 15 years. On his 15th anniversary at the monastery, the abbot again called Brother John into his office. John, once more you are blessed with two words. I quit, said Brother John. <laughs> And after a long look, the abbot replied, Well, it's probably for the best. You're quite a complainer. <laughs> so let's start with a show of hands of people who've been on a silent retreat before. Has pre pretty, well, maybe a little less than half of the people in here maybe have been on a silent retreat. I know that all the practitioners have, because in practitioner studies, usually in your first year, um, you go on a retreat, and usually the, the instructor springs it on you without telling you, oh, and by the way, from Friday afternoon until till Saturday night, there will be no talking. And you should see the terror in people's eyes. And, and I have to confess a little bit myself, the first time that I went on a silent retreat, there was a part of me that was like, oh my God. What's this going to be like? Because I had had some early experiences just even trying to meditate for a couple of hours. And uh, the voices in my head were pretty compelling, you know? It's like, let's talk, let's get active, let's be in the doing and not in the listening. So what is it about life that has us avoiding this idea of silence, avoiding this quiet time, this contemplative time with God? Well, this whole month, for inspiration, I'm using this wonderful Howard Thurman book. And for those of you who are not familiar with uh, Howard Thurman, he is a wonderful writer. He's truly a man of letters, uh, mid-20th century. Uh, I couldn't recommend the book more. And at the same time, I do have to give you the caveat. You know, written in the 50s, you'll have to get used to the idea of God being a guy again, right? Because that was just the languaging of the time. You know, it's our father. And so if you, if you don't mind the languaging, though, 
This man is amazing. He was the, uh, the dean of the Divinity School at Harvard, um, man of letters, uh, married a, a couple presidents along the way. Truly uh, a gift to us. So, so definitely recommend the book. And Howard Thurman says there are actually three reasons why silence is so important in our lives. And I think we're familiar with the one I'm going to save for last. I think we kind of understand the idea of meditation and why that's important. And I'm going to save that for last. But he had two other reasons why uh, truly silence is a gift that we're going to talk about in, in some time. First of all, when we're in the silence, we're no longer simply reacting to the world around us. Now, does this sound familiar? Most of what we do, literally, most of what we do is a reaction to something. We get up in the morning, and as a reaction to uh, being hungry, we make ourselves breakfast. As a reaction to uh, needing some money to pay the rent or the house payment, we go off to work. As a reaction at work to a big pile of stuff in our inbox, we do the work. As a reaction to being done with the day we come home and we make dinner and so on and so forth and for some of us it is it could be an entire life without any particular reflection at all howard thurman says this is not a life that we want to lead when we are totally in reaction to outer circumstances, outer people, what's going on in our world, simply kind of plugged into the, the humdrum life of work and meals and, you know, just the same old, same old, we're not actually growing spiritually. And so the first thing that Howard Thurman says is the quiet allows us to reflect on our life. It's our chance to really look at how our day played out or how our week's planning out and am I showing up the way I want to? It's a time of reflection. Did that encounter over Thanksgiving, was it all that it could have been? I, one very brave person, when I asked her how her Thanksgiving was, she shook her head and kind of said, well, it was kind of awful. And I thought, well, this is good. She said, well, I mean, it's not, pardon me, it's not good that her Thanksgiving wasn't pleasant, but how wonderful that she had already begun that process of reflecting about it and coming to some conclusions around what might go, how it might go better next year. There was that element of the inward journey that was giving her some important messages around how things could be improved. And in particular, we have the chance in the silence to understand how we can improve ourselves, how we can work out our relationships in a more loving way so that we can work out the way we talk to people in a more straightforward way, so that all the little things that we may think, well, that didn't go so well, we have the chance that next time around it'll go better. And this doesn't happen if we don't do that bit of reflection. If we don't do that bit of reflection, we're right back into the fray again. And next time around, it's apt to be just as miserable as the first time around. If we don't do that little bit of introspection, who knows? Because we'll just be, right, right up against, again, the people and the places in our lives and acting as a reaction to them, not from a place of consciousness. Now, Howard Thurman also says we should not use this, though, as a means to beat ourselves up. And I think we've probably all done that before, too. We've had a miserable encounter, and what do we tend to do? We tend to replay it over and over again in our head. Well, if only I had said this, if only I had done that, if only uh, the, uh, the, if this circumstance had been better. And the trouble with that is you get in one of those little, those little wheels that hamsters run in, and not much good comes out of it. So he's saying avoid that trap you know, simply take a look 
at what happens during your day and how would you have liked to have shown up differently in it for the idea of the future. Not as a punishing or a beating up or even a judging kind of thing of yourself, but just how would I like to show up in this relationship? How would I like to be more loving? In this situation at work, how would I like to be more productive and useful? In this situation of going shopping or going out to buy a new car or you name it, how is the best Larry going to show up? So that's the first gift of silence. The second one is similar, but a little bit different. And this predisposes that we all know what our mission here on the planet is. Because the other thing that I know absolutely for sure is if we're in that reactive mode, if we're being about all about the doing and not about the thinking, if we're out there making our mark in the world and, and being the good husband, being the good wife, being the good worker, we're tending to be doing other people's ideas of what we should be and what we should do. Do you know what I mean? It's like Madison Avenue is only too happy to tell you how you should look, how you should dress, how you should behave, the kinds of things you should buy. Those of you with kids can tell me right now exactly what all the kids want for Christmas. And do you think they invented that on their own? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh, no. There's a huge machine out there telling all the kids the presents they should have for Christmas. And it's the same for us. It's just slightly more subtle and maybe not even all that more subtle, right? They tell us what cars we should have, and the they, of course, it's more of us, but I ask you, shouldn't we be able to decide for ourselves what we're here to do, how we're to show up, how we're to present ourselves? I believe, as does Howard Thurman, that each person on the planet is here with a mission, now, it may not be as simple a mission as writing a mission statement like some companies have. And in fact, it might even be a little more simpler in some ways, because I think sometimes our mission could be summed up in one word or two words. Maybe it's to love everyone, or maybe it's to bring order to chaos, or maybe it's to teach people spiritual truths, or maybe it's to provide a, a loving and comfortable uh, um, surroundings for, for my family. But I do know that we're here for a purpose. And it is in the silence that we have a chance to learn that purpose. It isn't bouncing up against other people. It isn't uh, coming as a reaction to things that aren't going well, or even things that are going well for that matter, because that tends to just have us do more of the same as well. If things are going well, we think, well, this must be my purpose. Do you know what I mean? I got the promotion at work, so my, my purpose must be to, to sell houses or whatever. Do you know what I mean? But getting positive reinforcement for others isn't any more your purpose than, than getting negative feedback from others. When we define our lives and ourselves based on the outside world, who knows where it will take us? Silence provides the avenue to know your essential selves. Silence is the vehicle by which you can listen to your heart long enough to know why you're here, to know that perhaps it's about love and not productivity, to, to sense that it's about order and, uh, and bringing about some change and, and not about just making sure that the kids have clean clothes. The world is important, don't get me wrong. It's no reason that we should neglect some of our obligations and responsibilities. 
but it may not be why you're here. Why you are here is profound. It's individual. It's beautiful. It's compelling if you take the time to find out what it is. Here's what Howard Thurman says about this. He says, this isn't, oh, wait a minute, that's not it. Here's what he says. He says, one wants to know that life's purposes and plans are floored by a structure that is more than the individual, that is comprehensive, that is significant and good. And this simple assumption is that God is in each one of us. It is a part of this structure and that we are likewise in God. So this idea of listening for the truth, listening for our own individualized center of Godness only happens in the silence. Now, in uh, Science of Mind, we have a couple tools for this. One, of course, as you can imagine, is that idea of contemplation, really thinking about what's gone on in your life, because there's some real good clues around what your life's purpose is. Your life's purpose will be joyous and make you happy. So right off the get-go, if it isn't making you happy, if whatever you're doing doesn't feel good, feel like it's drawing you forward, then that probably isn't it. And you could do some work around contemplation that will help you with that spot on. You can be thinking of all of the things you've done over your life, maybe a series of careers, a, a variety of hobbies and things like that. What do the things have in common that really made your heart sing? When you felt like you were in the groove the most, what were you doing? What were the activities like? What were the people and places that were around you when you really felt, this is my spot? Because that probably has a lot to do with your life's purpose. It might not be literally the job or the task or the, or the people, but some quality of it. Were you, know, were you educating people? Were you about uh, nurturing people? Was it about love? Was it about bringing greater order to people's lives? You know, there are some key words there that through contemplation you can work on. The other one is perhaps unique to the science of mind teaching, and that is the idea of visioning. And that's simply approaching the animal head on and ask God, what is my purpose on this planet? Get into a light meditative state and simply ask the question, what is my highest vision for my life today? What is my purpose? And just listen. But there's a third reason that we observe the silence perhaps just as important as the other two, some might say even more than the other two, and that is truly communion with spirit itself. When was the last time you really felt plugged in, in tune with, one with, your idea of God? I do believe that this is a different answer for each person in this room. You know, there are those who would tell you exactly what God is, and I would be suspicious of them. <laughs> here's, the, here's the minister telling you, if someone comes up to you and tells you exactly what your God is like, be suspicious. Because what I believe is if God is infinite, then each one of us has a unique view 
into that infinity. Each one of us is going to have a little bit different answer to that question. For some of us, God is going to be love, and the focus is going to be right on love and bringing more love into our lives and seeing and and making environments of love for other people. Other people are going to see God as a huge sense of order in a world that is chaos, and they're going to focus in on that order, and that order is going to bring about a great spiritual awakening to them. Still other people are going to see peace as a, as a window through which to see God, and others are going to find joy and abundance, and they're all right. But do you know what your window is? I believe it is only through the silence of our own heart. It is through taking time every day and with some quiet effort that we begin to really understand what that nature of God is for us. That, that internal conversation that we have with God that's all done in the silence, that ability to feel and sense that God is right where you are, acting literally as a friend and a, and a director of activities, if you will. In the silence, we have a chance at this. Through meditation, we have a chance at this. So I know that you're all familiar that on Sundays I like to assign homework. And you know what? This is the hardest homework assignment of the entire year. I'm going to say it right up front. And what I would wish for each person in this room, I, I can tell you right off, most of you aren't in a position to do, but I'm going to give the assignment anyway, and then, then I'll talk you down off the wall. So, so, so the assignment would be to go on a week-long silent retreat somewhere, an entire week in silence. And what I would guarantee you, I will guarantee you, is after a week of silence, if we met you next Sunday and I said, what is your mission here on the planet? You would have some confidence in what you replied back to me. I would also say that you would have a better idea of what you're like when you're at your best because you would have had some time to do that contemplating. You would have had some time to have that communion. Okay, so I know that's extreme. I know that probably most of the people in this room uh, could neither afford the time nor the effort to do a week-long silent retreat. So let me ratchet it down to something that I think we can all do. Let us make a pact to find a quiet time, a silent time in our lives every single day. And it doesn't have to be any longer than five or ten minutes. This, I think we can do, and it may not have that earth-shattering change. It may not be the revolution of, in one big swoop, finding out what your life's purpose is. It may not have that that instantaneous kind of thing that a week-long silent meditation would be. But you know what? If you devote even five minutes a day into the quiet, and I'm not even going to say meditation. Of course, my other assignment would be everyone should take Reverend Sherry's meditation, Sharon's meditation is more than you think class. You know, she's teaching a meditation class coming up, and that would be my other wish for you. But even meditation aside, five minutes a day just in the silence is a huge start. So I'm going to close today with a final quote from Howard Thurman, and we'll do a prayer. He says, An important result of the habitual use of the quietness you can carry around with you. It is a central stillness of the spirit that is so vital that it can tame the wildness out of any tempest 
however your life rages on, this truly is the promise. As you begin experiencing the silence, as you know what you're like when you're at your best, as you have a sense of what your purpose is, the world around you may not quiet down any, but there will be a spot in your heart that is like the eye of that storm. It will be unshakable. It will be uniquely you. It will be powerful, unshakable peace. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence in this universe. I may call it God, but I know it comes in various names. It is Jehovah. It is love. It is Kuan Yi. It is every name that the ancients might use to call this thing that I call God. And I bless it on this day. I recognize it for its infinity. And I call upon it in my best idea of peace and silence and knowingness. And I know this for myself, that there is a a quiet, a silent place in me that is always calling for that spiritual growth, that is always calling upon the silence to base its strength. And as it is true for me, of course, I know it is true for each person in this room, that each person here has a willingness to go within, that each person here has the capability to kindly evaluate their own progress on this planet, and ease in sensing life's purpose, and acceptance of that inner journey. And so for each person here this week and each week following, there ever is more ability to spend some time in the silence, in the peace, in the presence of that God within. And I am simply grateful for this. I'm simply grateful in the transformative quality of silence. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you.